Welcome back to the EV Diaries. I'm Ben. And I'm Brent. All right. Today we're going to continue our discussion on the Rappahannock um, Cooperative that is in Virginia. And they did a lengthy EV study trying to forecast what it was going to look like on their system. Um, and we were sort of about two thirds through this. Um, uh, first episode we talked about um, what did we talk about the first episode? Uh, the first episode we basically just went over uh, some facts they had about their membership um, and we we touched on the infrastructure the things that members have to look at right uh at the beginning and that flowed into the kind of the separate the second episode too right and then we talked about towards the end of that second episode um how the evs from a cost standpoint like how much you would save by driving an electric vehicle but how much your bill would increase by driving electric right. vehicles right so so last last topic we we talked about there might be some significant yeah changes you have to do at home mm -hmm. depending on the age of your home yeah um and then and then yeah they they just proved what we've tried to prove is that it's going to be cheaper yes uh to operate an ev yeah than it will be for a internal combustion engine that's right all right so lead us into where we're headed next so basically they 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 kind of pivot from talking about the EV and the member and they go into some different scenarios they have from an infrastructure standpoint and what they might need to do to, to upgrade to handle this. All right. And we sort of, we sort of hit on that. Yes. At the introduction. Yes. That, um, yeah, there's, there's some, some grid upgrades that when this hits full potential, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things yeah. because of our aging infrastructure, because of uh, maybe engineering construction yeah. decisions that were made yes. at the time. When when you couldn't even fathom technology like this coming down the pipe. Exactly. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm pretty sure that we've, uh, it's nothing for a, a pole on our system to be 30 or 40 years old. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And I guarantee that as long as they're still good, um, there's probably, we've probably got poles out there that are older than I am. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you think about that, um, some of those wires have been up there that long. Mm -hmm. I know that we've, we've gone back and uh, copper over time gets green. Yeah. Well, it gets green. But, <laughs> but, That's why I always remember copper for some reason. It, it turns green eventually. It, it, it gets brittle. Yeah. And, um, as it ages and then you know after years and years of service everything's got a lifespan yeah for everything's sure everything's got a lifespan now lifespan might seem like a, a really long time and i don't know what it is exactly for wire mm -hmm. i know that we've got um, some direct burial underground which we don't do that anymore yeah uh that was installed 20 years ago yeah and it's got a lifespan of about 20 years right and so uh direct burial and case I need to explain that is um, 
right now, if, if somebody goes underground, typically it's going to be um, insulated cable, mm-hmm. which what's on top of the pole typically isn't insulated. Right. Uh, insulated cable, and they're pulled through a piece of conduit. Yep. Okay. Four feet deep is, I think, what the, unless it's under a road or something yeah. else, it's got to be deeper or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's all specifications on that. Direct burial, they put, they dug a ditch and buried individual cables. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this was common practice way back when. Yeah. Um, so now we've, you know, <laughs> common practice 20 years ago because we did it. Yeah, exactly. Ago. It's different. Yeah. And um, of course, you know, you can imagine that conduit is a layer of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just like, you know, water lines. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever got a hole in water lines. Like, how do you get a hole in a water line? Well, just the shifting and vibration and this, that, and the other, and you get a rock against it, and it just sort of works. That's it's right. like, you wouldn't think that there's that much motion to cause problems like that, but yep. it happens. Yep. It happens all the time. That's right. And so you can imagine that insulation electric, uh, mm-hmm. a piece of a electrical wire, yep. do the same thing. Yep. But that being said, everything's got, that, that was the point, everything's got a lifespan. Yeah. So, um, looking at, at the way we operate, all right, where are your poles mm-hmm. in, in the grand scheme of things? Are they, uh, where's your line? Do I need to upgrade the line? We talked about a bigger hose. Yep. And then is your pole going to hold the bigger hose? Yep. All right, so we, we've got that. Um, Maybe the transformers, we mentioned transformers yeah. going to your home in the last episode. Maybe your transformer yeah. is not big enough. So now we've got upgrade transformers. And you see your cooperative is responsible mm-hmm. for that. Now, yes. Now, they may have a policy in place. They can charge you for a transformer upgrade. I don't know if that right. they do or not. I don't, I don't even know if we do. Right. But typically, if uh, if we need a bigger transformer, we go hang a bigger transformer. Yeah. And I, I really don't know who pays for it. <laughs> and that comes back to the point yeah. that when you talk about infrastructure, somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody does have to pay for it. And if it's not the homeowner paying for it, it's the entire membership of the cooperative yes. paying for it. Now, the way we operate, there is uh, we're non-profit. Yes. It, it, explain how we are. We are non-profit. Uh, and what I would say about who pays for for this, no matter who does pay for it, um, especially if it's the member, you're not going to see having to pay for that for a long time. Mm -hmm. So if we go up and we upgrade an entire uh, county ready for EVs, say say we were going to do that and say, let's just say it was going to cost $5 million. All right, we would pay for all that up front. And how would we pay for that? Well, we have to borrow the money. Right. And so from that point, there's a lot of financial calculations that are going to take place in order to get to a point where we say, well, we're going to have to raise rates of the members. Then you have to go through that whole process, which Ben and I have worked together on putting a presentation together to help educate members on that, where um, you can do a rate increase, but it has to 
<laughs> we got to go through a bunch of hurdles to yeah, get that to happen. There's a lot of hoops to jump through because we are a regulated state. Yes. We can't just willy-nilly. Right. So you can't, so we can't just say, oh, we've upgraded, you know, a county. We're going to have to charge everybody an extra half a penny yeah. of a rate increase. We have to, it, it takes a long time. So that money is going to be recouped and somebody is going to pay for it, but it's going to be probably a few years down the, down the right. line. Right. After the upgrades have already been made. Right. And that's, and that's one of the, one of the things about being a co-op mm-hmm. is that, you know, we do everything we can to keep right. from having to do rate increases. But yeah. um, if if you do experience a rate increase and you are on a co-op, it's more than likely they've put that off as long as they can. Yeah. And it's because they've got, they've done so many system upgrades. Well, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give, this is a little bit of a tangent too, but it's an important one. Um the IOUs are, <laughs> they're typically going to promote that they have cheaper rates. Okay. And, and, and so why is that? Well, they're running, hopefully, if they're trying to make money, they're running on a thinner profit margin or whatever. But what does that mean? Well, in, real, in the real world, I am on an IOU, mm-hmm. not the co-op that, that I work for just because of where I live. Well, we have uh, technology. Ben can explain how it works. So tell them about what happens whenever, how do our meters work as far as we have smart meters? Okay. Uh, we, our meters are read by a power line carrier. Right. Um, so the system we have, um, the power line carrier uh, embeds a little piece of information from the meter. Yeah. And it comes back on the same wires right. to the substation, and then it's transferred over uh, internet signal. Right. So basically, so we can read our meters from the office. We can read our all meters. our members. Uh, every, every one of them, and it gets done every hour. Right. Twenty four seven. Right. You can turn you can turn them off and on. Is that right? Uh, some you can. Some some so we do have that technology also. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some that. Uh, that you can, you know, say you're going to move and yeah. uh, you need to be disconnected. Right. And there's nobody immediately moving into your, your yeah. house or apartment or whatever. We can shut that off right. and leave it off. Right. And it's all done remotely. It's yeah. not like somebody has to get in a truck and drive out there yes. and pull the meter, yes. put a safety cover over right. it. And then when somebody else moves into that, that house or apartment, drive back out. Yeah. And so, so why does that matter? Because then you're talking about efficiencies that we have, whereas the company that provides my electricity to me, they have to send a guy out once ever so often and get into my backyard to actually put eyeballs on that meter. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's very much so less efficient than the way we're doing it, which means that the cost difference that they're saying, okay, well, you know, we're cheaper. The reason that we're making advancements quicker is what I'm getting at. Right. And, um, and another thing, um, that the last time that, uh, and I'll just, I'm just going to use names, Kentucky utilities went mm-hmm. in for a rate increase. Um, it was because they had not been keeping up right. 
to meet the EPA right. clean air standards. Yeah. Whereas uh, we we our GNT is East Kentucky Power Cooperative. Yeah. Uh, GNT is Generation Transmission. Um, they actually own everything up to our substations, and right. then outside the substation is is Jackson Energy's responsibility. Mm-hmm. But um, they generate and transmit the electricity. So every time that clean air standards have came in, they've installed the scrubbers. They have done yeah. what they needed to. Um, whereas my understanding is that Kentucky Utilities have put that off, put that off, put that off for you know to maintain their profit margins. Right. And then it's just like, oh, we're up against the deadline. So they've had to dip into their funds. Mm-hmm. And then do all their upgrades. Yep. And oh, well, our profit margins aren't as high, so now we need a rate increase to get our profit margins back because yep. we've got investors that we have exactly to keep happy. So um, that's one benefit, uh, I think. That, uh, and I'm sure not all cooperatives do that. I, I no, yeah. I don't think we're a special case. No, but I, I can't say that everybody does what we did. No, they they don't. But but at the same time, uh, they're not. Everything's not so razor thin. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like in a, in a, we're play, yeah. playing a long game. Yes, exactly. We're playing a long game. We're probably, I would guess, we're probably better prepared from an infrastructure standpoint to move into this EV res- revolution than a lot of investor owned utilities are probably. It's a good possibility. I mean, just it, because if it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Is is typically it's typically like a corporation that's in it for profit. That's kind of their right. their theory because it's hard to make money. So why am I going to go invest in this newer technology that's going to cost me up front more and not pay off for a while? Right. When I can just ride what I got right now. Right. Right. Typically, I would and think. I mean, yeah, well, even and I've I've said this earlier in the older podcast episode it's all other people's money it is and yes it's it's what you do with other people's money right and fortunately with cooperative um we have to use other people's money wisely to provide the best service yeah and uh, anything that that is taken in that goes into that capital credits program mm-hmm. that, that we've talked about yeah uh, investor owned it comes back as a dividend That's or right. increase in stock price. Yep. Um, so essentially, <laughs> if you're an investor in an investor-owned utility, you get it now, and if you're a, yeah. a co-op member, your family gets it when you die. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that's what happens to the profits. Yeah. But um, I, I think that, uh, and this is getting off on tangent, we'll, we'll try not to get too far. I think as a co-op, I think we have done very well yes. trying to use the money wisely. Yep. And I think uh, we've seen that. When I hired in, there's probably 30 more, 30 plus mm-hmm. more employees at the co-op than there is now. Right. And we've been able to do that through technology. Yes, through, exactly. Through um, people taking on extra duties. I mm-hmm. mean, my job right here, I came in and I standardized my primary job duties, yeah. which freed me up 
And I don't know why somebody didn't do that before. I mean, that's not... <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I'm over the protection scheme, and I standardized the protection scheme. Yeah. Um, and you saw me demonstrate it here earlier. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, off the cuff gave it yeah. first first best guess. Yeah. And something it'll probably probably work. We'll probably never have to revisit it. Right. But um, the the point is that has freed me up for other duties yep. that in the past we would have had somebody mm-hmm. else do. And this is why as an engineer, uh, and you've seen it, uh, I get involved in a lot of yeah. accounting things. Right. Just for the simple fact that I'm I'm the go between. Yeah, and, well because it's it's together kinda like you you have to have all the pieces to the puzzle. Right. You know, and, and the the accounting because what we're getting into a little bit. There's the Bitcoin thing, which yeah. I know you've been working on real closely with uh, somebody else that works in our uh, with us yeah. to to figure out. And 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 that's and there again, I, I th- I'm I'm the liaison between engineering right. and accounting because the bridge kind of. I, I feel like I've got my. I was forced to have my feet in the yeah account uh, one foot in the accounting world mm-hmm. so now i've i've embraced that and i've only done that because we have the technology that has freaked me up to do that right but boy that was a digression well that's what happens sometimes uh you know when you do podcasts like we're trying to do because yeah. it, it all really does matter like uh, when this is kind of a big decision you right. know and and we've tried to pull out any of this noise about um, whether you believe in in gasoline climate change all that stuff let's just look at the financial impacts and what we're going to have to do to get there and the big winner for me is these these cars are extremely cool yeah like they are really neat on how they work they're they're everything about them they're cool without a climate crisis no exactly yeah, I mean, and they're, and, 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 they're, and they're they're cool without the geopolitical yes, they are. energy yes. overseas oil debate, all that stuff. I mean, yeah. And here's the other thing that I think uh, people forget: when you make shifts like this, which we have done numerous times in this country, mm-hmm. the government has got to kind of grab the bull by the horns a little bit. Do you think that the interstate, you know, road system? You think we could have done that without government help? No, we can't. These big lifts like that, it's collective. Right. And we all pay taxes, and what does it go to? Well, it goes to stuff like this. Yeah, sometimes it goes to cool stuff. Sometimes Good it does. Stuff. Yes, yeah. smart, like... Sometimes it goes to BS. It does. Most of the time it goes Most to Most of the time, yeah. 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 But, but, but but at the same time, like... like I tinfoil hat on before <laughs> yeah. going further. I, I just feel like people, <laughs> people forget that sometimes. You know, the... We... Sometimes it goes to good stuff, just like you said. Yeah. And I think this is one of those times. Um, the the kind of the last part of this um, presentation that they're talking about, which I which I think is neat. Uh, they took a typical, they call it a typical three hundred home subdivision EV build case. Okay. So they're 300 going to three hundred homes. They're going to uh, retrofit this 300 home subdivision to be ready to go if everybody in that subdivision wanted to buy an EV. And again, we'll touch back on the fact that their high um, adoption rate 
was going to put somewhere in the neighborhood of 93,000 EVs. So from that, they come down to, let's see what a subdivision looks like. And they've got three different cases. Uh, and I'm going to go over just the cost, and then I'm going to slide this around to Ben a little bit and see if he can make sense out of some of the change, it, what's actually going to have to take place because it, it goes over my head. So in case one, their cost would be roughly 592000 in case two, it's $1.3 million. And then in case three, it's $1.6 million. And the reason there's different costs is because the, each case is different in how they would upgrade that subdivision. So I'll let Ben kind of look at these numbers from what they're doing. And costs are significantly greater from one case to the next. All right. Okay, so this is the first uh, time I'm seeing this and I wasn't privy to the discussion that this slide was attached with. Um, okay, so it's uh, 25 kV transformers serving three homes. Um, and I think they have established that there's a um, 7.5 kW peak load per home, which is a small is it yeah i used to have a little uh a little meter on on my house mm -hmm. and uh i've seen i've seen 30 at my house whereas really? you know the oven was on yeah the washer and dryer was right. going you know so it was um it was significant um and this is peak uh doesn't seem you know I'm going to interrupt here and interject that I was having a duh moment. Um, this 7.5 kW is an addition to the load, which makes sense because at um, 7.5 kW that is mentioned in the report, that would be um, a 30 amp charger. Well, actually, a 30 amp charger would be 7.2 kW. Um, 40 amp charger is going to be 9.6. So I guess that they figured that they would have a combination of the both, um, both size chargers. So this is 7.5 kW in addition to the load. And that will hold true for all the rest of the calculations and discussion here. Again, I was just... I guess having one of those moments that uh, that just wasn't thinking clearly about what was being said. Uh, but they're looking at uh, some three-phase underground, and then each um, each house coming off to underground. Well, each uh, phase mm -hmm. coming off the three-phase. So you're basically. 100 homes on each phase if it's balanced. Right. Um, and uh, they've got some some line distances. So in case one, they're um, doubling the size of the load at the house by adding um, uh, just a standard charger. Mm -hmm. We're not talking F-150. No, right. Yeah. Just a level two. Yeah. Um, and uh, 7.5 kW. It's a 30-amp charger. I think because of 
40 amp is a 9.6. Right. So you're looking at a 30 amp charger in each home. So that's 30 times 300. That's uh, nine megawatts right there. Mm-hmm. Or that's, no. <laughs> 7.5 times 300. Um, let's see, 7.5. Yeah, I'm using my calculator, people. As um, 2.25 kW um, addition. No, it's uh, 2.25 megawatt addition to that load. So, um, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When you, so, so that's an extra. Two point whatever megawatt you're saying. Yeah, two point two five megawatt. And that's just potentially. Because uh, once they make these upgrades, obviously not everybody's gonna buy an EV, but we're they're prepping right. maybe well, for ever. Well they're they're saying I think the assumption they're doing is that everybody's gonna right. buy an EV. Um in this three hundred house subdivision. Yeah. All right. So um if it took um well we can we can figure out um, they just doubled the, the peak load. So this subdivision was 2.25 megawatts by itself. Now it's five and a half megawatts right. by itself. Right. All right. And they said if this happens that they have to upgrade the transformers to 50s mm -hmm. and the underground wire stays the same. Yeah. They got the ampacity and that's going to cost them a half a million dollars. Right. As an upgrade, uh, case two, they just put a F one fifty at every house. Okay. So they added nineteen kW. Right. All right. Um, they upgraded their transformers um, to seventy fives, mm -hmm. feeding three homes. They had to upgrade their three phase line. To a thousand MCM underground, and then they had to upgrade the one aught underground to four aught mm -hmm. underground, um, and that's a million three to do that upgrade. Right. All right. So this is three hundred homes, everybody adding an F one fifty. Right. So that 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 sounds to me like that last case is let's upgrade for more long-term right but that's only one one f-150 okay yeah the, the last case that they've got here that's a 1.6 million dollar upgrade mm -hmm. almost 1.7 is say well i've got two f-150 right. sitting in now what they should have done is like if i got one f-150 and yeah got a tesla model 3 sitting in the driveway yeah what's that look like and the upgrades i listen we talked about this before I do not see a scenario while I'm alive and I'm 43. Right. Uh, so that let's just pretend like I'm real healthy and I live till I'm 90 in the next 50 years where even 50% of households have only EVs. Okay, guys, I realize that this is going even longer than we anticipated. So, we're going to leave off with Brent's question and pick it up right back there next week.